Welcome to the Expert Ownership Podcast, where we launch faith-filled entrepreneurs into greater freedom and success. But you know what? It's more than that. We want to help you thrive in the midst of today's cancel culture. Our goal is to raise up workplace warriors who will stand for what they believe in, whatever the cost. You can find out more by visiting expertownership.com. But without further ado, here we go. I've been really, really feeling it. About to bust a move or a show. Let me get it. If you really Here we are. This is David. I'm sitting here with Jason, the little brother. And Jason and I want to talk today about the seven aspects of a good worker. Now, here's the key. The reason why we want to even talk about this is because right now work, Jason and I actually believe, is kind of under a spiritual attack. And by that, we mean it actually pays kids more or young people more to sit on your duff and collect unemployment, not necessarily young people, but folks that are early, early in the marketplace, than it is to work a job and make 12, 13, 14, 15 bucks an hour. And so what we're finding right now, and Jason and I have been saying this to young people across the country as we speak to these singles and college kids and even kids that are just out of college or maybe newly married, we say, look, it, God created us to work and you actually release dopamine and our brain releases these amazing chemicals that are good for us and we feel amazing because now we are productive, we are co-creators with God, we are doing all of the things he created us to do. And if you don't work, even if you make more money, you're not going to feel peace. You're not going to do it. So what we want to do is we want to step in and talk about the value of work and seven specific keys straight out of Scripture that will make you a better worker and more productive. So if you're older and you've got kids, grab them together, let them listen to this because this is straight out of the B-I-B-L-E. Dude, that's crazy. Yes, that's the All right, all right enough Come of that. On. All right, but now here's the thing. This isn't just for you to pass down to your kids. This is for you, especially as a faith-filled entrepreneur. You had to be this kind of worker to get where you are. And, and so it's an encouragement for you to continue to be that way. We're going to be in Genesis 31. I know you're probably driving your car or you're working out or you're doing something so you can't open your Bible, but don't worry. We'll read it for you, but we're going to, we're going to jump in Genesis 31. We're going to look at a familiar passage that all of us know, you know, Jacob, you had Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, and Jacob was the father of the 12 tribes of Israel, and Jacob had to work really hard for his uncle named Laban. Bad guy. Yeah, bad dude. And he had to work really hard, but then him and Laban, they end up kind of going into business together, and Laban just takes advantage of Jacob. Now, we know that, you know, the biblical account of this shows that Jacob himself was a deceiver. He was also a bad guy for a while. Yeah, so God had to deal with him, and he dealt with him through Laban. But then the, Jacob and Laban all of a sudden kind of have this 20 years later, after doing business together for these 20 years, all of a sudden they just have this massive powwow. And what Jacob says to Laban reveals to us seven keys that made him an awesome worker. Because at the end of that 20 years, Jacob was a very wealthy man. So we can look at the principles that Jacob applied to his business, which was as a, a shepherd. Actually, he was a shepherd. He was a farmer. Yeah. He did all of these things with flocks and herds. That's right. And, and he became a very, very wealthy man. It's interesting because on the way, when Jacob was fleeing from his brother Esau, which that's a whole nother story, but suffice it to say, at the beginning of his journey, before the 20 years of working for Laban, Jacob actually slept out in the wilderness with his head on a rock. And that's when he had this amazing dream of the angels ascending and descending up a ladder into heaven. It's Jacob's ladder. And here's the cool thing. Jacob started with nothing. 
20 years later, now we see this passage of Scripture, and Jacob had everything. This is like a dude who started with zero, nothing in the bank. Like, like let's say it's Auntie Ann Byler. We just interviewed her in Chicago at Life Surge, and she literally said, I started with no money, no education, no business plan, but I had a great product, I had great people around me, and I had incredible purpose. And 10 years later, she had hundreds of locations nationwide, and now she's sitting on over 1,800 locations nationwide. How did she do it? So you would honestly want to ask her, well, how did you do it? Well, we get a chance to see Jacob. He was in this position, and there are seven things. Now, before I say this, let me, let me just pause for one quick second, because I want to tell you that this podcast is made available to you because of our sponsor, Christian Healthcare Ministries. You guys hear us talk about them all the time, but it was by far one of the best decisions we ever made as an entrepreneur, as entrepreneurs and with our small business is to get Christian Healthcare in our corner as it related to medical sharing. Yeah, that's right. So when our head was laying on a rock early in our business, <laughs> literally, we called Christian Healthcare Ministries and you can easily, you don't even have to call them. All you got to do is just click expertownership.com slash CHM and uh, those guys will connect with you and talk to you about health cost sharing. It was amazing. So fast forward 20 years after that, Jason and I were crushing it by God's amazing grace. And now we're going to take a look at Jacob in this story with and, Laban. And remember, your work is your primary form of worship. So in the Hebrew, work and worship are the same word. The word is avodah, A-V-O-D-A-H. They're the same word. But in English, we split work and worship into two different words. That's a problem. They should have never been separated. Because now we have a tendency to believe that work is what we do Monday to Friday. Worship is what we do on Sunday. And Saturday is how we have fun. It is bull. That's not the way it's supposed to be. You're I not, have fun on Saturdays. But though. you're not supposed to live a dichotomized life. Everything that you do is the work that you do, especially on your what you're doing for your calling and you're earning an, earning an income and making a living for your family. That work is your primary form of worship. So do it with a, with a goal to make God happy and to put a smile on his face. That's right. Where you're placed and how you're paid does not define and determine the minister. It's about passion for the Lord and not position. It's about the presence of Jesus Christ in your life. That's what matters most. So let's look at these seven aspects because I'm going to take you into Genesis 31. We're going to start in verse 38 because at this point, these business partners, you know, Laban being the general partner, the majority owner, Jacob being the minority shareholder. Managing partner. Yeah. <laughs> he actually did manage all of these things. And, uh, and now they have this massive powwow. And here's what Jacob says. He says, these 20 years I have been with you, caring for your flocks. Number one, the number one aspect of a good worker, he cared about his work. It says, I cared for your flocks. Jacob, Jacob actually took as good a care of his boss's flocks as he would his own. So, And that's a scriptural principle. No matter where you are right now, it maybe, maybe you're a wannapreneur, and you're somebody who's working for someone else right now. Take care of that you have your boss and and his or her business as well as if it were your own or you're a solopreneur and you've been hired out by by one of your clients or customers take care of their lawn take care of their insurance policy take care of their closing documents as well as you would if it were your own jacob says right here i i basically treated your flocks laban even though you were mistreating me i treated your flocks as though they were my own and so that's the the very first key he cared about his work. He deeply cared about the work that he did. And that's one of the core tenets of expert ownership. That's the reason why we even called our coaching business expert ownership, because we have to own every area of our life. You have to own your health. You have to own your faith. You have to own those relationships 
that God has placed on your path, especially your marriage or your children. You got to own these things, which means you take full responsibility and you invest and you be intentional. And with your job, you've got to absolutely own it. And that's where that leads us right into key number two. Key number two was he did a good job. So the rest of verse 38 says this, in all that time, your sheep and goats never miscarried. So Jacob says, for 20 years, I've taken care of your your flocks for you. And in all that time, your sheep and goats never miscarried. You know what that means? That means he was good at what he did. He did a good job. He made sure that that he didn't make mistakes. He didn't cut corners. He did an excellent job. It, in those days, sheep and goats, miscarrying was a huge deal. That was like you, uh, if you're in, in real estate or you're in a business where you get properties or, or you get something under contract and you have to carry it to close. That's like getting something under contract, but then it doesn't close. So when a sheep or a goat miscarried, that was a big deal. You're losing money. It's literally siphoning out of your bank account. So Jacob says, not only did, did I care about the work that I did, I actually did a really good job for you. Proverbs twenty two twenty nine says, do you see a man skilled in his work? He'll stand before kings. He'll not stand before obscure men. Now listen, a talent is something that you're born with. You're just good at it because God made you that way. A skill is something that you learn. That also makes you good at something you're doing. A skill, it says, do you see a man skilled in his work? Which means that you have to take the training, you have to take the classes, you have to be disciplined, you have to learn new stuff so that you can be good at the thing that you do. Excellence, okay? It's God's favor that gets you in the door, but it's excellence that keeps you there. Isaiah forty-eight seventeen says, I am the Lord your God who teaches you to profit. And this is point number two, which is you're good at your work. That's really, really important. He says, I teach you to profit. Now, that word teach in the Hebrew actually means to train and to, to develop skills. Now, the word profit there doesn't mean money. It actually means to be valuable or to make valuable. So it's, I am the Lord your God who trains you to develop skills that make you valuable. And what's going to follow that in the marketplace? Profit. That's the way that it yeah. works, according to Isaiah forty-eight seventeen. So let me finish verse 38, because he said, For 20 years I've been with you caring for your flocks. In all that time, your sheep and goats never miscarried. And then the last thing he says that leads us to point number three, he says, In all those years, I never used a single ram of yours for food. That's the, the third thing that he did that made him a great worker. He didn't take advantage of his position. So he was in a position to where he was the one who was in charge of all the flocks, and, you know, back in those days, the agrarian society, nobody was overseeing him. Like, he was out all on his own, probably a day or two journey from Laban, who was his boss. At any point, Jacob, because he had his own flocks at the same time, so he was caring for his own flocks, which was his own business, and Laban's, he could have easily just started to funnel some of Laban's flock over to his own. And he says, in all those years, I never used a single ram of yours for food. I only used my own. So even though he was in the livestock business, he paid for his own food. That is so quality. You're not taking advantage of the position that you're in. And and you, this, this might look something like claiming something as a business expense that's not a business expense. Mm. That's huge. That's convicting. It's huge. So Jacob didn't do that. And so because of that, he had God's favor. We've got to make sure as kingdom-minded entrepreneurs, as faith-filled entrepreneurs, that we are not doing things that are underhanded. And because, well, now why would we do that? Because God is our business partner and he takes those things seriously and he's watching. So let me give you the first three and then we're going to jump into four. So one, he cared about his work. Two, he did a good job. So he was excellent. Number three, he didn't take advantage of his position. Number four, he took personal responsibility for any loss. 
in verse 39, he says, if any of your flock were attacked and killed by wild and wild animals, I took the loss myself. Mm. So he didn't shift the blame on his helpers or ask his boss to take the hit. He always took it himself. Now, David and I, as bosses, know what this feels like because we have had the number of times where we've had people come to us and, and basically tell us their major problems, fully expecting me and David to take care of it all. Yeah. Right? That That's totally different than where Jacob was. Jacob was like, hey, there were times where you know coyotes would show up and they would take out some of the lambs. And what I would do, Laban, is if they came from your flock and those lambs were killed in your flock, I would take the same amount of lambs from my flock and populate your flock with those lambs. Now, here's the balancing truth to that, because he did not say, hey, if there was a tornado or you know a hurricane, like some act of God like that you could not control that hurt the flock. It was if an animal attacked the flock. In other words, he was a shepherd, and it was his role and his responsibility to protect the flock. That was part of his role. So if something falls inside of your role or your responsibility and you fail at it, you bear that loss and be willing to do that. And many times your boss or the folks that are hiring you, if you've got your own business, many times people will actually say, wow, that I love the honesty and the integrity there. Let's split it. Or, you know, let me, especially if it's a larger company, a lot of times they'll say, okay, no, we'll just, you know, we'll write this one off and we'll move on. But you've just got to be honest that if it if it's part of your role and your responsibility, then you bear the loss if you did not do your yeah. job well. So he took responsibility for any losses. Key number five, he worked hard and didn't complain. In verse 40, he says this to Laban. He said, I worked for you through the scorching heat of the day and through the cold and sleepless nights. Now, the reason he was telling Laban this after 20 years was, is because he had never told Laban that before, at least that we have record of. So Laban knew how difficult it was on Jacob because Jacob, Laban, he knew how difficult, but Jacob didn't bring him his problem. Jacob didn't bring Laban his headaches and then give it to him. On a uh, consistent basis. Jacob right. just owned it, and he worked hard. He didn't complain. And I love, I think there was a, I think his name was Winky Prattney, a great speaker. And he talked about the one type of people that God killed in the Bible over and over again. <laughs> and that got all of our attention. And of course, he's referring to the Old Testament. But he said the type of people that God killed were complainers. Mm. It was the complaints when people grumbled, when they complained. I mean, there are just stories where God's anger just flares because what complaining does is it slaps God in the face. It says that your provision's not good enough, that what you're doing is not good enough. So Jacob worked hard. He didn't complain. And, you know, the cool thing there is that Christ came and satisfied the judgment. And so now we don't see any of that stuff, thank God. So if you find yourself complaining, we got to remember the scripture that says, do everything without arguing and complaining. So we want to be thankful. The key to not complaining is working with a thankful heart. That's truly key. Waking up and thanking God. Just thank God for everything that you have. Even if something bad happens, you got to thank God because Romans 8.28 says that all things work together for good to those that love God. And are called according to his purpose. So even sometimes in a really difficult situation, which we've all been in, just don't complain. And the way to keep you from complaining is actually to pour it out to God. You know, in the morning, if something is bothering you about your boss or or about some employees that you've got or about clients that you've got or about the fact that you're too busy and you're making great money, but you don't have enough time for your family, pour that out to God. Give your complaint to God, but then make sure you do what David always did in the Psalms where he pivoted. Halfway through the Psalms, he would be like, all these bad things are happening. Everybody else is making money but me. But God, you are faithful. You are sovereign. And so he always pivoted. So that's the fifth component that Jacob worked hard and he didn't complain. Number six, he at, he never asked for handouts. 
This is good. He was always willing to work hard for, for his keep. It says in verse 41, these 20 years I've been in your house. He's talking to Laban. He says, I worked 14 years for your daughters and six more years for your flock. So he earned his keep. He didn't ask for handouts. He wasn't the person that was like always give it to me. Always <laughs> fundraising. Do you know what I'm saying? I, I have no problems with fundraising, but I do know that it's awfully easy to fundraise rather than to think of something that can bring value to a person, deliver that value, and price that value accordingly. That's a totally different ballgame. Jacob was not one who asked for handouts. No matter what stage he was in in life, he did not ask for handouts. So we don't want to be the kind of workers that are draining people. We want to be producing people, which means we're fountains and not drains. David and I have talked a lot about being fountains and not drains. That a fountain, if you think about a water fountain, a fountain's one concern is that it's connected to a source. A drain's one concern is that it's connected to a fountain. You don't want to be a draining person. You want to be somebody who's looking to tap into the source, which is God. You're, you're tapping into your talent and your skill so that you can bring real tangible value to people. And then you're providing for them. You're giving nourishment to them. You're, you're giving them a great service. So that's Jacob. He was that kind of guy. He never asked for handouts. That's number six. Now, number seven, which is the most important one, and, and this is in verse 42, but the, the, the seventh key to a good worker, the type of worker that Jacob was, it was that he partnered with God. This is in verse 42, and he's talking to Laban. He said, if the God of my father had not been on my side, this is the most important attribute of all. Of all. He saw God as his business partner. He says it right there, like, if God hadn't have been with me, Laban, all the stuff that you did to try to take advantage of me and actually rip me off, it, it, I would have never made it through. I'd be dead broke right now. But God is on my side. God is my business partner. And because of that, I'm a wealthy man now. That's where Jacob got an, uh, an opportunity to become an extremely wealthy person because of these seven characteristics. Those seven, he cared about his work. He did a good job. He didn't take advantage of his position. He took personal responsibility for any losses. He worked hard and didn't complain. He never asked for handouts, and he partnered with God. And you know what the reward was for Jacob? It wasn't just all the wealth. It was, a, it was an incredible relationship with his business partner in, in Genesis 32, verse 10, which is just a few verses later. He says this, I am not worthy of all the unfailing love and faithfulness you have shown me, because he was talking to God at this point. When I, was left, when I left home and crossed the Jordan River, I owned nothing except a walking stick. Now, my household fills two large camps. Mm. Boom. Look at that. You apply those seven keys right there. That's exactly the path to that type of success. And if, we're not, if, if we want the wealth of Jacob, we've got to be willing to do the work of Jacob. And that's what he did. And that's what God is calling us to as faith-filled entrepreneurs. That's amazing. All right. Now we got to do own it or loan it, Jason. Oh, okay. Own it or loan it. Phones after 10. Oh, you got to loan that sucker. So I know you've texted me after 10 p.m. before. I knew you were going to say that. So you're a hypocrite. That's what yeah, I'm saying. Well, I'm to you. saying look, you didn't ask me if I do it or not. I just said. Okay. Okay. You know, so, like so no. Okay. Own it or loan it. Phones for your kids. After 9 p.m. No, yeah, no, your kids don't need those. So wait, you're owning that. No um, phones. Wait, wait, no, I'm sorry, dude, sorry. Don't give me a double negative. Okay, okay, wait. Phones for your kids after 9 p.m., own it or loan it? Loan that. Okay, I would too. How about after 8 p.m.? 
I mean, I, I, I just prefer loan the phones altogether, but <laughs> I would like possible. to throw them out of my house. Okay, so here's the key about the phones. This is what we're trying to teach our kids because, look, we're all in this fight with you guys. I mean, good gracious. We are the first parents in world history to have to raise our children with those demons, all this technology that we've got. A phone in the hand of a producer is an incredible tool. A phone in the hand of a consumer is a terrible toy. I'm going to say that again. A phone in the hand of a producer is an incredible tool, but a phone in the hand of a consumer is a terrible toy. Here's the key. We've got to train up producers and not consumers. Then the phones will actually become tools as opposed to toys that just simply distract them and keep them constantly like not incredibly focused. Anyway, so there, I've just preached at you today. But yeah, Jason and I both loan it. After 9 p.m., loan that. Actually, 8 p.m. Heck, our master coach, Eric Beck, has the digital sunset for his kids before 7 p.m. That's, that's crazy. He's a beast. He is a beast. But So listen, share this out. Send it to your friends. Hopefully, folks can be really encouraged by this podcast. And so subscribe if you can, if you haven't already. Send it to your friends. Ask them to subscribe as well. Also, throw us some ratings and reviews in there, okay? That'd be fantastic. And in the meantime, before you come back and hear from us next week, always choose impact over income. But if you can get both, that's even better. We love you guys. God bless you. Go get them. See ya. I've been really, really feeling it. Let me